Welcome back to the It's Unreal Estate podcast, the show that demystifies the home buying and selling process. My name is David Grant. I'm a broker here in Salt Lake City for Grant Real Estate. Today on the show, I'm going to talk about the actual numbers behind what it would take to buy a median home. I'm also going to talk about what are some creative ways to write offers that will actually get accepted. And lastly, do you even need a realtor? So stay with us. All right, so today on the show, I've got my producer Ryan here with me. Uh, Interest rates have risen. So I talked about this in previous episodes. This was not news. The Federal Reserve mentioned that they were going to go ahead and continue raising rates regardless of what's going on in the world, and they have. So depending on credit, meaning if your credit score is on the lower end, then your interest rate these days is going to be closer, if not going to be right at 5%. So I mentioned this on previous episodes, and it's happened now. And depending on that credit score, you'll be anywhere between 4.6 and 5%. So Ryan, based on that alone, how does that affect someone like you when looking to purchase a home? What is the a rising interest rate due to your buying power? It makes me a little more hesitant, I think. I think that's a uh... You kind of, if you're not careful, you can lose track of how much a raise, like just a couple of percentage points is in, you know, a $500,000 purchase. Yeah. So he mentioned it already. In Salt Lake County, uh, the median home price is hovering right at 500000 So that's the median amount. So if you're looking for something that's in that range, which is basically everything, then when interest rates rise, it's going to diminish your initial buying power. We have really enjoyed 2 and 3% interest rates for a long time now over the last two years. So many people enjoyed it so much that they bought everything. So people like producer Ryan are thinking, I'm going to hesitate before I just jump into buying something because the interest rate rising diminishes my buying power. This is exactly what I said would happen. So what are the numbers? All right, so this if you're looking at purchasing right now and you want a median home, and that could be a townhouse, the closer you get to downtown or the further away that you get, it might actually put you into a single family home. I've mentioned this with places like Magna, where it's the number one place in the United States for a first time home buyer to own an actual single family residence. They're hovering right about three fifty-five for those. But if you want something on the main parts, in the main parts of Salt Lake City, five hundred thousand, let's just say on average you have five percent to put down. That's going to be twenty-five thousand dollars. Now, the more the better, right? If you can bring that loan amount down, the less you have per month. But let's just say 
uh, realistically, you've got 25,000 right now. You can put that down. You're going to be financing the other 95% of it. All in total payment with taxes, title, insurance, sometimes an HOA, depending if you're in a townhome complex or not. You are going to be anywhere between 2,700 and about 3,200 a month. Now, again, if you have better credit, you're going to get a better interest rate. If you can go from 5% to 4.6% on the absolute best case scenario, you're going to save a significant amount of money. It is in your best interest to do whatever you can to pay your bills on time, to have less revolving credit, to do everything that you can to get your credit score up. Not to mention that your payment is only going to be that high if you're putting down only 5%. If you have more to put down, if you have 10%, even up to 20%, it's going to diminish that payment significantly. So if right now is not a great time for you, uh, interest rates aren't going to go anywhere. They're going to hover about here for the rest of the year. So this is the time that if you're not ready to buy, uh, work on your credit, work on saving for a better down payment. Those are things you have control over. But the things that you do not have control over and the things I want to talk to in my next two segments are the rest of the market. What is for sale and who also is out there buying and selling? Those things you don't have control over. The best you can do is actually the best you can do. Can't do anything more than that. So part of being in Salt Lake City or anywhere else in a hot market is you just kind of have to play the game. And if it works for you, great. And if it doesn't, don't lose heart. We'll keep trying. Uh, that does it for Market Watch. Stick with us as in the next segment, I'm going to talk about what is an appraisal gap and how can we overcome it. All right. So I am in this process every year at the end of the first quarter and the beginning of the second quarter. It kind of revolves, revolves around the school year. So I tend to get really busy in February and March and April. And so I'm in this process where each weekend I'm showing a lot of properties. This last weekend, I started in Midville. I drove myself to Park City. Then I was in Heber. Then I was down in Provo and then Springville, all within like four hours. For those that aren't familiar, that's a lot of driving. I'm driving, I literally drove around an entire mountain range in that time. So while I'm doing that, I'm showing properties that are anywhere between about 450,000 all the way up to a million. And so I'm showing these different houses. I had three sets of different clients. We're trying to figure out what are some creative ways that we can write offers. So for two of those clients, we actually wrote offers. For the third client, we just couldn't find anything that fit their needs. So what are some creative ways and things that we can actually do to make our offers stand out? We know right now that sellers, it's their market. They kind of don't have to deal with anything if they don't want to deal with it. They all, all of it's in their court. So we have a number of items that as a real estate agent, I can inform you about. Ethically, I'm not ever going to ask my clients or anybody listening to completely waive everything if it's not going to be inevitably in your favor. Again, the thing that I ask as a real estate agent for my clients is, this is the information. 
I'm going to help you make the best decision for you possible. I'm going to help you understand the consequences of those decisions. And then I'm going to let you make it. And I'm here to support you. But I'm not going to advise you to do things that I think ethically might put you in a hard spot. In fact, I'm going to advise against it, but you still can do whatever you'd like. So in this circumstance, I've talked about this process before. I will go through it very simply again. When you're making an offer, there is an initial deposit. That deposit is called earnest money. Now, that earnest money, when all is said and done, is a small portion of your down payment. So it's going to go toward the down payment. But it is there as a contingency just in case you back out. So if you back out, the sellers take and keep that money depending on when you back out during this process. So a really smart thing that I'm seeing people do, because there's not a lot out there, and because they tend to be set like this is our house no matter what, they're making that earnest money non-refundable right away. So they're saying, even if we back out, we're going to give you this money. No matter when we back out, this money's yours. And what they're doing is, is they're saying, we're not really worried about backing out. We know we want to go through with it. Even if the inspection comes back and it's got a bunch of items on it, we don't care. We want this home. So people are willing to make their earnest money non-refundable right away, or they're making a portion of that earnest money non-refundable right away. And often down the process, maybe after the inspection, they're making another portion or the rest of it non-refundable as well. So they're putting themselves in a situation where they're going, not only are we serious, we're going to give you $15,000 as earnest money, but we're going to make 10,000 of that non-refundable right now. So Ryan, if you were making an offer today and I, again, you're a new home buyer and I'm trying to give you this idea of non-refundable earnest money. This is money that you do not lose when you make your offer. You only lose it if you back out of the offer, depending on when, and I'll talk about that. But if you worked hard for this money, this isn't a house, but you know you want that house. What goes through your mind when I say, hey, how about we make 10,000 of that money, that earnest money, non-refundable, right when you sign? I guess I'd have to see this house. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's a, that's a big, that's a big commitment considering like what you're, you know, you just, this is to throw your hat in the ring. Basically. It's not like a, it's not necessarily a down payment. It's just kind of a, I'm serious payment. If you've been looking and you've been making offers and you haven't been having those offers accepted down the road, your family's like, we just need a house. This house works. We're so excited about it. No matter what happens, we're going through with it. And you know that you don't lose that earnest money if you go through with the deal, right? So I have a, I got off the phone with a client earlier today who wants to purchase a home. They're very well off. And they said, would 50000 non-refundable earnest money, would that be good? Or should we offer even more? Because they know that they, they want to put down 20% of this property's value. And so they know they go, listen, we're going to have to pay that money in 30 days anyway. We have it. We don't mind fronting it because we know we're not leaving the deal. So if they accept our deal, we're not backing out for any reason. And we know we have good financing. So in that situation where you are with your family and you're looking at a property and you're like, this works we don't want to fail again. We want to follow through with something. Does that idea 
sit a little better in your mind if you know that your financing situation's good, you're not worried about getting your loan, and you know that this house is for you. All it is is just one of those things that you're saying, yeah, in the really off chance we leave, you get to keep that amount that's non-refundable. How does that sit with you now? Yeah, that, does, that, that makes a lot of sense. It's like if I'm going to be, I mean, the idea earnest, right? I'm, I want to do this and I want to buy this and I'm, this is, I'm serious about it. Um, yeah, it does, it does definitely like highlight the fact that it's stacked against you a little bit. So I think maybe had I been putting down a lot of more offers, I may get to the point where that that's just seems obvious, but as like, without having any offers out right now for myself, like it does seem kind of, that's a lot, but yeah, no, I can see what you're saying where like, if I need to get myself in a place where I can be taken seriously, I might need to step up a little bit. Yeah. And again, as an agent, ethically, I would say, wow, do not put yourself financially in a spot where if some act of nature happens and you now cannot, like you lose your job or a family, a familial situation happens that requires your financial aid, right? And you have to back out, then would it hurt you then help you? I have to give you that and say, whatever you choose to do, the consequences are if you back out, you lose that money. So that's the first part of a creative offer. And by the way, everybody is doing that. That is not what I would want. But everybody is now doing that. So if your offer, if you're sending in an offer and you want to be taken seriously and you have zero of that, that's non-refundable, they won't even look at it because your term is weaker than other offers because they know, well, even if they back out and we take their offer, we keep, we get that money. So then we can pay our mortgage again and we have some money for expenses while we look for the next offer. So considering that this is because there's going to be multiple offers, and also as a buyer, my I don't have a very strong standing. Do I ever get a chance to know what these other offers are? Do I ever get a chance? Am I just blindly throwing money at and hoping that like, you know, is it like a game of blind chicken or do I have some kind of information from? Yeah. So what I want to do is I do want to talk to that in the last segment about what makes a good realtor? Do you even need a realtor? That type of thing. And I haven't forgotten that. In fact, I'll make a note of that. But yeah, in terms of like knowing other offers, the bottom line is no, you don't get to know that. Uh, now, as an agent, I can talk to that and I'm, I'm going to talk to that. Um, I'll make a note. But in this situation that you're in, you're at an open house, you're walking through, you're seeing a bunch of other people there, you're hearing their conversations. I've even overheard things like, we have all cash. But guess what? Cash is not necessarily king if your offer can net more money. So, and by the way, you've probably heard this term highest and best offer. Highest is the terms of net monies, but best is about the terms. So let's talk to the other terms. We just talked about earnest money. That is a term. It's actually not about highest and the highest amount. That amount of money is going to be as high as you feel that you can go without putting yourself financially into a burden. But the terms is what more what I'm speaking of with making a creative offer. So first we talked about earnest money. The second thing I want to talk about is your first deadline. And we call that the buyer due diligence deadline. Now, historically, this is the time period that was between seven and 14 days. We are now seeing these uh, due diligence periods completely waived. But what it was for is, hey, we're going to give you some earnest money, but we're going to take seven days. We're going to do an inspection. We're going to look into things more in the area, school districts, 
uh, lifestyle. And if within those seven days, if we determine this house isn't for us, we're going to back out. And when we back out, we're going to get our earnest money back. And we can back out for any reason. Now what people are doing is they're making their earnest money non-refundable, which basically makes the buyer due diligence period moot. Even if you back out because of buyer due diligence reasons, you're not getting your earnest money back. So there's really no even reason for it. So people are now waiving that period of time, but I would still recommend that you do an inspection. Do the inspection so that you are aware of what's going on in the home. Even if that inspection doesn't lead you to leaving uh, the deal, or if the inspection doesn't lead you to getting help from the sellers, which it probably will not, still do it. Work with your agent, and I'll discuss that in my third segment. Work with your agent on how to get things taken care of before the deal is done, at, at, you know, basically out of your own pocket. Now, the third deadline, sorry, the second deadline, but the third item, the third term, is the financing and appraisal deadline. This is typically 20 to 25 days out. And what it's for is it's so that you can work with your loan officer to get your financing in order and get the loan process through underwriting, which I've mentioned in previous episodes. Go back and listen. And then get that loan approved. Now, there's standard deadlines for the government after a loan is approved that it needs to sit and wait before you can actually close on the home. So that's why I say it takes 20 to 25 days if you have everything in order. But what people are doing is they're saying, yes, we do require financing, but we are going to waive the appraisal. So we don't have all cash. But when you get a loan, that bank or credit union or mortgage company is going to send out an appraiser. That appraiser is going to make a valuation of that property so that they can know how much should we give them. Now, in the case in my market watch, if you are only putting down 5%, then they're going to be loaning you 95% of the home's total value. But what if, you know, you offer on a home that's 500000 but the winning bid was 550000 And then the appraiser comes out and goes, yeah, that's great that you offered that, but it's only worth 510000 You put down 25000 How are you going to come up with the difference between 500000 right? Or in this situation, 485000 and five fifty? That is what we call an appraisal gap. The difference between what the mortgage company is going to lend you and how much your offer was. Now, in the past, the reason for that deadline was to say, hey, we got the appraisal back and it didn't appraise. So will you come down and give us the house for what it appraised for? And people would be like, yeah, I guess so. Like we're working with you. We're, we're almost a month in, might as well. But now what people are saying is you need to waive the appraisal, meaning you need to make up the difference in cash out of your own pocket for what the home appraised for and what you're going to pay for it. Now, Ryan, if I were to tell you that the only way that you're going to get this house that you really want is to bridge the gap anywhere. I mean, this could be anywhere from $5,000 on the low, low end 
And I've seen as high as $60,000, $70,000 in the appraisal gap. What? How does that sit with you knowing that this is what people are willing to do to get these homes on top of their down payment? Anxious. It makes me anxious. Um, yeah, that does seem like you got to really factor that in when you're deciding what your budget is and you know what kind of uh, houses you're looking for, for sure. Because, I mean... You know, I, like anybody else, I see what the house is listed for on Zillow or whatever that is, whatever that number is that I have access to or that I can, you know, that I'm willing to find. But realizing that there's most likely no chance that I'm going to be anywhere near that when it finally, when I finally yeah. make the purchase. It is a massive thing to consider because the truth is, is you just saved all this money for your down payment. Now, here's the kicker. Another way of overcoming the appraisal gap is the more money down. Because if you have 15 to 20% down, then all the bank has to do is give you 80%, 85% of what the home is worth. And typically, if you can put down a little bit more money, then the need for an appraisal tends to drop as well. I have seen the situation where people put so much money down, they don't even do an appraisal because they know based on comps, yeah, that's we'll give you that money. It, that it's it's worth at least what you're needing the loan for. So a creative way of doing an offer and overcoming an appraisal gap is going to be a couple of things: save money for a better down payment. Secondly, save a little bit more money uh, aside from your down payment. Right. So if you're putting down five percent, save a little bit more money, and keep that on the side just in case you have to put cash down upfront to bridge that gap, but do not put yourself in a, a situation where you're, you're personally house poor, even if the home's worth it over time because you decided to put too much money out of pocket down. So that is the situation that you're going to be. Now, the last thing that I'm going to talk about is going to be the commission. The idea that all agents out there are making 3% is, uh, those are, those days are gone. So I, personally haven't made 3% commission on things in a very long time. One, because it's not being offered as a buying agent. And secondly, uh, because I often, to help my clients give a higher netted offer, I often diminish my commission so that less money is out of the pocket of the seller to something like me. My clients can offer a little less money. I take less money. Or I make the money that I make and I give a kickback of sorts to my clients in whatever way I like. Something that I'm going to talk about in the next segment about what makes a good realtor are going to be things like that. You've seen billboards talking about why other brokerages are better than others. Can your agent do this? Does your agent do this? I'm going to tell you right now, there are so many agents out there whose sole goal is just to help their buyer get into a home that they will literally do anything that they can. I'm about to sell a home this weekend in Harriman, and I personally am taking less than 2% just to ease the burden of my sellers because I know as a selling agent, my job isn't that difficult as it would be if I was a buying agent. I don't have to get that creative on how to sell a home. The home's going to sell itself, and I'm going to facilitate it, and so there's inherent value there. But... To recap, when you're thinking about making an offer and I'm coaching you through this process, consider a few things. Number one, 
consider making a portion or all of your earnest money non-refundable right away. Number two, consider making that earnest money a larger portion than you would have originally thought. You're going to be spending that money anyway in 30 days when you give your entire down payment. It doesn't hurt to go ahead and put that forward now as a show of faith. Third, waive the buyer due diligence period. It really doesn't play a huge part anymore anyway, but still get an inspection done so you have peace of mind about the home. Fourth, waive your appraisal. Now, that's only if you have extra cash set aside. I'm telling you, your offer will not be as strong as other offers who are waiving theirs. So waive it. And if you have to back out because you cannot bridge that gap, then make sure that the amount of non-refundable earnest money you put down, you can lose comfortably without it hurting. Okay. And then lastly, work with an agent who's willing to offer you something in return. Uh, If it comes down to you giving your very best, but you still can't quite make it, perhaps you're working with an agent who understands that and will help you by diminishing the offering that they're receiving. Stick with me. I'm going to be talking about on this last segment, do you even need a realtor? And if so, what makes a good one? All right. So I mentioned some things before about the nature of me being a real estate agent about, do you need one? And and I'm coaching you as if I would coach my own clients. In fact, I've had this very conversation multiple times this last weekend. And the more coaching I do and the more offers we make, it's like practice. It's like anything. It's like the more you do it, the better you get at it. The reason why we had one of our offers accepted uh, about an hour ago in Midvale, uh, we were not even the best offer. We were the third best offer called the agent up, found out, hey, where does our offer stand with the other offers? Now that they're all in, just be honest with me. Okay, well, we're countering another offer uh, and they just got back to us and they rescinded it completely. So we countered the second best offer who had more money than you, but you had better terms. I'm like, okay, well, let's, I'm working with another agent right now. She works with me at Grant Real Estate, Christina. And she called and was like, counter us then. What can we do? And it was literally just a a matter of $5,000. We haggled a little bit. Our terms were better. We called our clients immediately. Hey, let's offer a little bit more. If you're comfortable with it, we probably can secure this deal right now. Better terms, a little bit more money. You got it. We sent out for signatures. We got it. And literally 30 minutes later, they accepted it. Now we're under contract to help these guys get into a townhouse in uh, Midville. So that is the story of what I do when I'm on the hot seat. Now, here's the deal. Do you want a realtor? Uh, Yeah, I would say yes, I am one, but I don't do this because I think it's easy money. It's absolutely the hardest job by far that I've ever had. I enjoy the freedom. I enjoy not being in an office. I do like the idea of working for myself, but like I am technically unemployed until I'm employed, until uh, an offer is accepted. I just, I'm constantly driving around working for free. All the content on TikTok, Instagram, this podcast, YouTube. I mean, I'm making this stuff with producer Ryan. We're throwing everything at the wall, seeing what sticks. This isn't like a super lucrative thing until people's offers get accepted or until sellers sell houses. 
So what makes a good realtor? Why would you need one? First of all, every realtor is a real estate agent. Not every real estate agent is a realtor. Realtor is a brand. That means that that real estate agent has paid dues to whatever county they're in. So they have access to the MLS, which is the multiple listing service. And so that they have the ability to get into all of these different properties. The majority of real estate agents are realtors. So rest assured there. But you need somebody who knows the market. My agent, Christina, who lives down in Utah County, which is south of where I live, she said, hey, I've got some clients looking up by you. Let's team up. You know the area better. I'm on, you know, I'll write the offers. You show the houses. Let's team up. This is a great thing that we have to offer my clients. Now, my clients literally on the very first offer that they wrote, they got accepted. Uh, that's not normal. It's taken six to seven offers for people to get their offers accepted right now. The thing that you need is an agent who knows the market. So I definitely know the market. Not only that, I know the area, the place that they're buying in. I know it personally used to live over there. So then you need somebody like I mentioned with this last segment, who knows how to write creative offers and be available on the spot to write those offers, get those in and get those offers accepted. The third thing is, you need to talk to somebody who will actually answer their phone, text messages, emails, talk to the loan officer, talk to the title officer, talk to the inspector, get answers from the selling or buying agent. There's a lot of people involved and I'm juggling it. I'm in the middle of so many things. It's not just so easy as picking up the phone and, and dialing one number. I have an entire group of people that I'm keeping in the loop. People from handymen, to repairmen, servicemen. I've got people that are dealing with the title and helping us know are there liens on the property. I'm dealing with their loan officer. Hey, where are we in the loan process? I'm dealing with the other agents. Hey, managing expectations with the other people selling or buying. There's so much going on. You don't want to do this. You don't want to do this unless this is what you want to do. Do the thing you're good at. Let me do the thing I'm good at. The fourth thing I would say is keeping you grounded. So I've actually, Ryan, I've actually taken you and your wife out. So when we went and looked at one of these properties, super cool property, had a lot of weirdness to it as well. One of the things that you guys were there looking for is you, you have things that you must have. That's why we looked in that area, but you have other things that were nice to have. What would you say, if I were to say, give me three of your top must haves, what would they be? Let me see. I think I would say, I'm the area is obviously important. I want to know. I want to know things about the area, especially if I just, you know, I've never been there before, right? Area is awesome. I guess I want to know. Um, and this could be any three things about a home. We need this many rooms. We need a two-car garage. We need land. Things like that. What are some must-haves that you have? The size of the house, for sure. Like knowing, like you know, I don't know that off the top of my head. I understand what square footage means or feels like, and I think that understanding that, like knowing, like, is this a big enough house for me? Um, and then I'd say, um, the things that like, when we were going through that one house, yeah. like what are some of the red flags here? Like I need yeah. to know, am I, should I be worried about this specific thing that I think the smell, like we talked about last mm -hmm. week, you know, these little things that I just don't think about because I'm not always looking at houses and seeing those things. So I need to know is what I'm looking at real, I guess is a good way to put it. Yeah. So you have, I'm helping you manage expectations. I'm keeping you grounded. So you tell me things that are important to you. I then go with you and I show you those things. 
Now, anything past that is a nice to have. So I say, what are your must haves? What are your nice to have? And if I'm able to show you a house that has all those things and you're still hesitating, or if I'm showing you properties or you're sending me properties that are well outside the range we discussed financial wise, then I'm going to come back and say, help me understand. Why are you looking at these properties when you know you can't afford it? Or tell, we looked in these areas and now you're sending me one in a completely different area. Hey, tell me where you're at with where you're looking so I'm better understanding you. I think that there's this one, when you're ex- explaining that, it kind of that, uh, made me think about one thing. Um, without having to go and p- step foot inside of a house, you know, asking you like, hey, what do you think about this one? And I remember one of these asking like, well, that's directly on Redwood Road. Is that something that like a very, very busy street in a very, very busy part of town? It That's what, you know, helping me see those too good to be true things, you know, it looked like this was, you know, this house looks cool. And like, you understand it's this, this, and this. I'm like, okay, okay, never mind. Exactly. And that to me is because I know the area well, yeah. and I've driven around it and I know you. So I'm getting to know you. I know the areas. And what I'm doing is I'm melding all that information and I'm saying, I'm keeping you accountable. Hey, I will show you properties that are worthwhile all day. Thank you for sending those to me. I'm sending you some as well. But let's not waste our time with these four or five different properties because I can tell you right now you're not going to like them for these reasons. So I don't want to waste your time. You don't want to waste mine, any of that stuff. But I can show properties with the best of them all day long. And then I cannot tell you how many times I've shown up to properties with clients and they go, we don't even want to look at it. They show up right away. They look at the curb appeal. They see the street and they go, we're done. We're out of here. And we go to the next one. And then I have agents calling me, what'd you think of the house? I'm like, we didn't even look at it. You know, and that's the thing is we have to get better at that. So keeping you grounded is helpful because you guys, you can look at properties all day online and then go look at them in person all day and never make a decision. So my suggestion would be, and this is a side note, always have a running top two Never more than that. You'll just confuse yourself. So you literally have a revolving top two. What are your top two best options? Now, you're probably going to have to make an offer or a decision really quickly in our market. It used to be you had time. Now you don't really have any. But don't try and have three and four of your favorites. Have two top ones that you're making offers on. Uh, Number five would be an agent is good if they have something to offer you. So I don't do closing gifts. I don't know why you would need hand soap or a cutting board with my name on it. Who cares? What I do is I offer services. So when the house that you're purchasing is purchased, I'm going to send in my cleaners. I'm going to send in my HVAC and water heater servicer. They're going to service those major appliances. I'm going to make sure that your home warranty is set up. I am going to help send a handyman over, and I've done this on many occasions, if it's maybe a home that needs some love, and those are things I can do out of my pocket. I'm also going to offer to diminish my commission if it means we'll get the deal. I would rather help you have a home now than me maybe have a little bit more money later. And then last thing, you asked about offers. So something that we do realtor to realtor I am closing on land tomorrow for some of my clients. This land was not for sale. We drove by it. They liked it. I looked up the owners. We both, my clients and I, reached out to them. And then I tried my very best to help these individuals who were not even remotely considering selling their property. They're older. They wanted their kids to build on it. This is in a primo location in Highland. 
completely developed neighborhood, and they've owned the property for 37 years. It was really difficult for me to have that conversation with them because they always were wondering, what's his angle? Is this real? Are they real buyers? And I'm like, we're real. We'll send you a letter. I'll send you to my loan officer. I'm not trying to do anything to you. We won't even ask you to pay my commission. My clients will pay that. We just want the property. She got her own agent and she should have. She got a person that, that is her cousin who knows her well and is an agent. And my clients were like, oh no, what's going to happen? They, they got an agent. I said, no, this is best case scenario because now I'm dealing with an agent and we know how to talk to each other. Part of the deal is getting the deal done is working with people where all we do all day is deals. So if you want to do this on your own, great. Try it out and you're going to come back to me and say, why didn't we get it? Why didn't we win? Uh, you know, And I'm going to say, why are you talking to me? You didn't want my help in the first place. Now you want my help. Of course you want my help because this is all I do. Agent to agent communication is easily the best way to do it. I've done for sale by owner deals. They're always a nightmare. And it's because I'm working with human beings who are tied to the property emotionally and arbitrarily think their home's worth 1.5 million for no reason. They just want it. So the reasons why we want a good realtor or someone on your team, because no other realtor who's a part of the transaction is going to be on your side. Someone who knows the market, someone who knows how to get a creative offer accepted, someone who will answer their phone. They're very accessible. Someone who's going to keep you grounded, remind you of the things that you wanted and don't want. Someone who's going to offer you something in return. So when you see those billboards that say, will your agent offer you part of their commission? Yes, all the time. Not only that, but I'm going to provide services. Name me any other brokerage that will tell you outright from the beginning, when you buy this house, I'm going to send service people over. I'm going to send cleaners over. I'm going to personally send a handyman over if it's needed. I'm going to walk the property with you. I'm going to walk you through your inspection. I'm not just going to sit in an office and work Monday through Friday and then, sorry, on weekends, I don't work. That is how other brokerages are. So sure, if you want the discounts that are being promoted, you're going to get discounted service. I will discount my own service. You don't have to ask for it. And I'll still offer you as much as I can. And then lastly, I'm going to work agent to agent and I'm going to be the bad guy. So you don't have to be, because trust me, it's going to make you the bad guy. If you have to always go back and complain about some part of the process, let me do that for you. And then you get to just enjoy the process. That's all I got today. Today, we talked about what it would cost per month if you wanted a $500,000 home right now in Utah, 25,000 down, you're looking at about 27 to $3,200 a month, depending on your credit. Second thing that we talked about was the appraisal gap. How do we overcome that? How do we get a creative offer written? And lastly, what makes good realtor? Do we even need one? And by the way, you do. Give me a call or DM me at It's in Real Estate on my Instagram. I'm always accessible to everybody. Thanks so much to Ryan for producing these episodes for us here at Mountain Air Studios in Draper, Utah. Stick with us as each week I'll continue to bring new content about the status of of our real estate market here in Salt Lake City, as well as other tips and tricks in future content that hopefully we'll be able to produce to give you some uh, DIY tips and tricks online as well. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.